All right, gentlemen, uh, what what can I get you? Uh, I I need uh, I need a doubler on my uh, quick draw this time. And and how about you, uh, Mr. Pagula? Yeah, here's my here's my quick draw ticket. Uh, by the way, the next round is on uh, Polo over here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it put it on the, the taxpayers of Erie County. Don't tell stuff on. Ha, 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 ha. Now, Mr. Polo and Cars, that's, um, uh, that's $1.1 billion on your tab? That, yeah, that's $1.1 billion on my tab. Uh, nothing on his. It. Don't worry about it. We're trying to play some scratch-offs and quick draw. Yeah, we're, and maybe 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 hit the mega millions here. We're gonna win the money back to pay for a new Bill Stadium. Yeah, we got to find some way to pay for it. Oh, okay, gentlemen, uh, I'll be right back with uh, with your drinks and your new stadium. <laughs> <laughs> ah, shit! I'm one number off on the quick draw. Uh, I needed an 18 and it pulled a 17. Never pick seven. Son of a bitch! Hey, security! Get these guys the hell out of here! Ah, man, this is the last time I go to Brick Bar. I'm all out of luck. And welcome back to The Square. Yes, it's Re, Jim, Snake, a.k.a. Ryan. Yes, we are here in The Square. And, you know, as content creators, or, or as I like to say, people who get mad at the news. Influencers. Influencers. Thinkfluencers. We teach you how to think. Mm-hmm. But, gentlemen, we had a gift fall in our laps this morning. We sure did. We're recording on Sunday. Mm-hmm. You're going to listen on Thursday, listener. So you've already had a few days to percolate on this and get real mad. But we're fresh mad, okay? Fresh mad about this. I'm like I'm like the uh, the romaine at Wegmans. I'm covered in dew. That's oh. how fresh mad I am. Crisp. Wow. You take a bite out of us. <laughs> you went to Subway so you could eat fresh this morning. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's uh, me and Megan Rapino. Yeah, is that right? Not Jared, who's <laughs> no. the worst person no. who's ever Jared. been on. I, I did see a tweet where somebody Jared was like. doesn't need subs anymore. I, I did see a tweet where somebody was like, oh, this is the worst person who's ever been a Subway spokesperson. And they were talking about Megan Rapino. I was like, I don't think <laughs> you remember the history. Someone this, someone said that unironically. I don't un- think a brand. Unironically. You know, for a brand that like ended up with literally a pedophile who is a guy who was once representing them, they've recovered reasonably well. Yeah. You know, like right, yeah. I mean, Deion Sanders did a commercial for them. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it could have really it could have really torpedoed the whole operation, but Coach, I mean they kept it moving. Coach Sanders. Coach Sanders. Coach Sanders. Anyway, the news, speaking of football, the news we're mad about is of course Mr. Pagulas. Remember that? Remember when... Uh, that news, by the way, that news is our first gift. Our second gift is Randy Hoke. Oh, on the podcast. oh we'll, we'll get to... We, yeah. I, Ryan, I will... Snake, I will never forget Randy Hoke. Randy Hoke, listener, if you hang around for a little bit longer, you will hear an excellent interview with Democratic nominee for Hamburg Town Supervisor, Randy Hoke, who is a confirmed listener, and we get just an awesome conversation with him. But to the topic at hand motherfucking terry pagula mr broke boy whoops all my domestic fracking and oil drilling i'm out of money <laughs> he's hey, playing the lottery don't worry he's hey, hey yeah. buffalo erie county new york state uh you're gonna build my stadium 
please. Can you help a fellow American down on his luck? Downtrodden. <laughs> He's pulled pulled his pockets inside out. Right. Showing them to the county and showing them to the state. Now, listen, we are not the sports podcast. No, you get a lot of those. No. There's a lot of great sports podcasts. This is more than sports. This is we, not just a sports topic. Well, no, and, and I say that because, you know, it's it's sports related. And I know we might have a few listeners who are like, is that a sports ball? And listen, nerds, we love you. Okay. You're, you're one of our people too, but the sports ball sometimes becomes a real life thing. All right. So I know, um, the guys over at the goose's roost just dropped a, a new episode. Listen to them. They are a sports podcast, but us, we are, you know, we're the everything podcast. We're the, we're the what's going on podcast. And boy, howdy is this shit going on because Mr. Pagula, uh, our, our savior here in Western New York, he came in and he swooped in. He bought the Sabres and then Ralph Wilson died. He bought the bills. What, what a heel turn. What an epic. Y- fucking y- heel you turn. don't sound like you believe in one Buffalo re. Oh, I, you know, I, I got to say, Jim, my faith is a little shaken in That's, one Buffalo. I, you know, I mean, I've been doing the, uh, <laughs> all day You're blessing yourself. Yeah. yeah okay. Uh-huh. Right. It's, it's the gospel according to Terry. Uh huh. All right, so let, let's pull up a, 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 an actual <laughs> article or something here to have as a frame of reference. But let me, let me, I read it in Pro Football Talk is the article. I know there was an article in the Buffalo News. I don't think there was anything much different in there. But I'm going to pull up the Pro Football Talk one because this I, is a national story. Yeah, I believe I wrote it, read it in uh, on WIVB, uh, their website, mm-hmm. sure. because I'm not going to pay for the Buffalo News. No, no, no. No, I mean, I might now. We actually we do. I I might now that they have a, a deal with, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. So from Pro Football Talk, Mike Florio, Bills want new stadium to be completely funded by taxpayer money. For most new stadiums funded by public money, taxpayers don't foot the bill. In Buffalo, that's what the Bills want the citizens to do. According to Tom Precious of the Buffalo News, Pagula Sports and Entertainment has made a $1.5 billion proposal <laughs> for a new Bill Stadium and renovation costs. Request, de- request denied. Yes. Learn how to use the button, Jim. Request denied. <laughs> request denied. Uh, <laughs> for a new Bill Stadium and renovation costs for the arena in which the Buffalo Sabres play hockey. Oh, so they're trying to get that two for that double dip. They're, well, uh-huh. Uh, they know that like they're not in any kind of negotiating space with the Sabres because nobody wants a hockey team as bad as the Sabres. What? Uh, oh, actually, that's not true. Nobody wants a hockey team. And then nobody wants a hockey team as bad as the Sabres. Right. So like they're doubly screwed with the Sabres. So they have to like bake it into the negotiations for the Bill Stadium. I was like, well, we want money to take care of Key Bank Arena, too, or whatever it's called. Crossroads. Sure. Whatever. Per the report, the proposal asked for the full cost of the new Bill Stadium to be covered by public funds. Per the report, that's a non-starter. And here's the kicker from the article. The thing that will be met with a loud and hostile reaction from any Bills fans in Buffalo who refuse to acknowledge the reality that football is business. Quote, Mm. The team has made no overt threats, sources say, to leave Buffalo if it doesn't get the full funding request. But it has made clear to government negotiators that there are other cities elsewhere that desire an NFL franchise and would pay handsomely for it. End quote. And then we got a follow-up story 
a little bit later, actually not even a little bit later. I think it was not even within the hour mm-hmm. because these people do not know how to play their hand whatsoever. That Austin, Texas is, uh, is the threat. Yeehaw. Austin to hook them, hook them horns, hook them horns. Right. horns. Austin, Texas is where Terry Pagula wants to use as uh, his bargaining chip. Keep the bills weird. Keep the, the Buffalo, the, the Austin weirdos. The Austin, Austin weirdos, weirdos, yes. Keep the bills weird, mm-hmm. Austin weirdos. We talked a little about this. Like, there's a big UT market in Austin. It's like huge there. There are some areas where college football will just dominate pro football. Right. Depending on where you go. Right. Like, I like I, I know like eight people live in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. But like, if Tuscaloosa was big enough to put a football team, there's only one football team they care about. Yeah. And it's not the one that plays on Sundays. That's right. Yeah. What's very funny to me about using Austin is, uh, like you guys said, you know, there's clearly an uh, entrenched football culture and market. Yeah. So they might... I, when, when I think of like cities hungry for a professional sports franchise, Austin does not come to mind. No. Now, would they say no to the money? Probably not. But oh, if you put one there, sure. Oh, oh, sure. They'd put one there because the money would come. But I mean, if you're a sports franchise who's looking to move Austin, it's a popular like it's a name that comes up in things like the housing market and things like tech. And it, it's a cool city in a similar vein to say portland it's a trendy place to be right in fact like i would say maybe portland before i would say austin as a football but here's my thing is like so is austin going to be like oh well buffalo didn't offer you a billion dollars we can't wait to offer you a billion dollars i don't think so i I think austin be like no no we're cool enough as it is spend a billion dollars here if you like or texas instruments will anyways yeah. Right. And I mean, to take a franchise like the Buffalo Bills, which, you know, a lot of people really compare to being like a college football like fan base to begin with. And to move that to a place that has a college football entrenched culture, it's not going to end up with the kind of result that you want. What you're really going to have is people in Austin who love UT and, oh, here's this new fucking team that nobody gives a shit about and is going to take at least 20 plus years for them to even get remotely invested in much like the Tennessee Titans or the, or the Houston Texans or the Houston Texans. Nobody still gives a shit about no one gives a shit about the only people who give a shit about the Houston Texans are people who used to live in Houston who don't live there anymore. The people in Houston care more about the SMU Mustangs than they do about the Houston Texans. Yeah. We're not dealing with uh, whatever you can say about, Terry Pagula, I think competency is clearly not his calling card as a as an owner of a sports franchise. This is a guy. This is like somebody who owns a business that is not sports because he has no fucking idea about sports. As you can see with the Sabres, he kind of tripped over his dick. He got pretty lucky with the bills. This is like if you threaten to move a business to Austin, Texas, if you threaten to move your I don't know, your tech company to Austin, Texas from Buffalo. You could maybe make this kind of demand. We're talking a fucking sports franchise that has like an incredibly entrenched base moving to a place that has no investment, wouldn't give a shit about professional sports. Look, Toronto was a real threat. And it was a real threat because one, that is a market that 
desperately desires, or at least used to, I think still does, but maybe have come to terms with the fact they're not getting an NFL franchise, but for a long time, desperately desired an NFL franchise, had the money to do it. Like, Toronto is a real big city. Austin, not quite. You know, like, they're bigger than us, but... I mean, Austin has a million people. Buffalo, the city proper doesn't, but we have a very large... Austin, the city proper, has a million people. Uh, Yes. I mean, Buffalo, Erie County has a million people. I mean, Buffalo... So, Buffalo does get underrepresented because, like, when you do statistical areas, they're always within one country. And being a border city gets underrepresented because it loses all of the Waterloo south of southern Ontario or even, like, Burlington south of, of... Southern Ontario. Um, I don't want to go as far north as Hamilton. That's right. a little too far north. Right. And and for people who don't know what I'm talking about, just go to sleep right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, like Burlington South is legitimately within a 40-minute drive of Buffalo. Those people are coming for sporting events. We get plenty of people from Hamilton. It's not right. that. Oh far yeah, there. I mean, sure. and, I mean, for it, you know what? You're getting plenty of people from Hamilton and Toronto for a football game because it's one day a week. It's on a Sunday, and they're going to be drunk for six of those hours. Yes. Is it time for for um, the area to implement the team swap that we proposed a few weeks back? Maybe we can send the Bills to Toronto, and they can pay for the new stadium, and we can get the Blue Jays. Perfect. Yeah, I, I would take it. I would take, I would take the Raptors, though. Oh, the Raptors. Yeah, yeah we got to throw the Raptors. Well, that's, that's the thing, because football teams are worth so much, yeah. is that, like, we get the Raptors and the Blue Jays, mm-hmm. but they get the Bills and the Bandits. Done. Although, there's a lot of diehard. I'd give up, I'd give up the Sabres, too. Well, well, they have a hockey team up yeah, there. Well, yeah, we're just going to di- have the Sabres. We're just going to disband the Sabres. Right, right. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to strip them for parts. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, come uh, on. They could have the Buffalo Blizzard. Come on, man. Like, this is... this t- To me, at first, I was mad. All right? Yeah. I-, I woke up the day reading this and being like, what the fuck? And now I'm just embarrassed for Terry Pagula. This is ridiculous. Like, you can... Yes, I understand this is business and you have to make offers mm-hmm. and I'm going to I'm gonna ask for... I'm going to shoot for the moon. If you miss, you're going to land among the stars. Yeah. You cannot, from a public relations standpoint, with a straight face, go to people. Your loyal, your loyal fan base of people who you, you've bought yourself a lot of goodwill, okay? After years of being fucking moribund as a franchise, absolute just dog shit performance on the field. An owner in Ralph Wilson, who we have a lot of fond memories of him now, I promise you, listener, maybe if you're on the younger side, we didn't feel so fondly about Ralph Wilson no. for a very long time. That cheap fuck, okay? That skinflint who would notoriously not pay money for actual good players. Well, he didn't ask the, the public for any money either, did he? Well. He did. Did he? He did. But he, he only asked them for, like, he, bloodletting amounts. He didn't ask them for, like... <laughs> All right. Dying amounts. He just asked. Yeah, this this is pretty ridiculous. And if studies have shown that the public really doesn't get a return on their investment for a new football stadium. The only thing at all, the only thing I will say that where this is smart from Pagula's standpoint is that he's asking right before an election year for the governor. Oh, and if I'm governor Cuomo 
and I have an extra $1.1 billion I wasn't looking after, I would like to buy off the Buffalo vote, especially after I did all those things to all those women. Yeah, it wouldn't buy my vote, though. I'm of the camp where let the bills go. I don't care. Yeah, I mean... There are better things we can do with that money. Yeah. uh, Give me that $1.1 billion, and I'll buy scratch-off tickets, and I can turn it into $800. (laughs) I don't think I'm in the majority of that opinion, though, around here. Well, you know what? It's one of those things where, again, listener, if you don't give a shit about football, whatever, fine. I love the bills. I I love the bills, too. But but fuck them. For a team that made the AFC championship game, you cannot lose the offseason any harder, barring all your players like dropping dead. This well, is I mean, Cole Beasley's trying. <laughs> if he has his way. Yeah. If he has his way. Yeah, this is a public relations nightmare. I understand when you're talking the hard dollars and cents that public relations doesn't factor in, except your job is fucking entertainment. So the public relations always factors in. And you have to be cognizant and aware of your fucking standing in the community to know that. So to ask for, uh, like, to come out with this hard drive, like, okay, they drop the story about they're asking for a hundred percent of the funding. And that same day they're dropping the story about, we're going to move the team to Austin. Mm -hmm. You don't do that the same day. You, you, you start by saying, Hey, you know, we're looking for funding. You don't put out Uh, the amount. This is Bush league shit, right? This is really like rookie fucking mistakes. You don't put out the amount you're looking for. You know, you say like, we're looking for, you keep that relatively quiet. And then you put the pressure on a little bit down the line when, Erie County and, you know, the state of New York tells you to go fuck yourself. Well, I mean, the other thing is, like, they're clearly not learning the lessons of, like, Oakland, right? The Raiders are like, you need to give us a billion dollars or else we're moving to Las Vegas. And Oakland was like, so it's west, it's east of here. Yeah, is right. How you, yeah. Is how you get to Vegas. Yeah, yeah. And then, so, like, the A's recently were like, we, we want this space for this amount of money. And the Oakland City Council was like, here's this space for this amount of money and get effed if you want anything else. Uh Like, clearly public opinion is turning against sports franchises getting whatever they want for whatever they want. Like, I mean, that is the case nationwide. And should be the same thing for any business wanting a, a sweetheart tax. Well, break. yes, absolutely. But that's a, that's a slightly different conversation. Right. right. Let's have it right now. No, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> but like, yeah. so like the bills are like, Oh, nationwide communities are telling sports franchises. Well, with that in 50 cents, you can get a cup of coffee, which is first of all, not true. You can't buy a cup of coffee, for 50 cents, but like uh, you, but they're, they're basically telling them, Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me two times, can't get fooled again. Yeah, they're uh, they're they're not buying into the whole. You have to give us money to keep us here. It's not happening anymore. No. The, the cities are finally, communities are finally calling their bluff, and they're like, "Go ahead, spend two hundred million dollars to move to make twenty million dollars." <laughs> So where does this end up at the end of the day? Because we know the public isn't paying 100% of the cost. They're not moving to fucking Austin. They're not moving to Austin. Um, and and we're also not paying nothing for them to stay here and build. We're, stadium, we're, we're right? not paying nothing. We're like the, at the end of the day, we're not. I mean, unfortunately, we're going to pay something. Right. The the, the state and county is going to pay something. Right. Maybe uh, Niagara County has a billion dollars laying around. 
And they can just yeah, move up then, there. If, if, if you fish around Royalton, you might find a billion dollars. No, what I think is going to happen is I think they're negotiating for a different space inside Erie County. Yeah. Not the current stadium or across the street, but a larger space. Not downtown? Could be downtown. Okay. I don't think it's downtown. Yeah. Could be downtown. I think they're negotiating for a larger space where they can basically cut out all the private parking and recoup all the parking for themselves, Mm -hmm. which news flash Pagulas. If you are charging $25 for parking, there's always going to be somebody who's going to charge 15 (laughs) just outside your parking range. And there's going to be people who are like, I'll walk like even in the winter. I'll tell you right now, my father will park four blocks beyond the $15 range for the $5 range. And walk six blocks, even if it's four degrees out and now, snowing sideways. Now, this seems like a good time to tell tell about your dad's story about negotiating for a station wagon. Yeah, well, this is yeah. a good time to tell about my, yeah. my father's <laughs> negotiating Sleet for a station this. wagon. This is Uncle Jimmy's story time, as, yeah. as Ree likes to call it. Yeah. So my father, and this was like 20 years ago. Uh-huh. It, uh, he was driving from Batavia back to uh, Lancaster. Right. And he saw a station wagon parked by the by 30, Route 33. Now, the station wagon is the new stadium in this analogy. The station right? wagon is the new stadium in this analogy. Okay. Right, yeah. Uh, he saw the new stadium parked by <laughs> Route 33. Right. And he, he, he stopped and he, and he went up to the door and he said, hey, how much for the new stadium? Yeah. And the guy said, how'd you know it was for sale? And he goes, well, it's, it's parked by the street. Right. And the guy said, oh, well, I would like $600 for the new stadium. Yeah. And my father said, that's too much. And the guy said, well, well, how much would you like me to give the new stadium to you for? And my father said, free. Yeah. I mean, everyone wants things for free, right? Right, right. Yeah. And, and, the, and the guy said, what do, you, what do you mean free? And he goes, well, you said how much would I like it for. Right. And I would like to pay nothing for it. I would, li- I would like it for free. Sure. And, and the guy said, well, I'm, I'm not giving you a, a, a car slash stadium for free. Right. And my father said, well, I made you an offer. You said 600 I made you a counteroffer of $0. Make me a counteroffer. And the guy said, $200. My father said, I'll buy it for $200. All right. All right. Yeah, a- a- expert negotiating <laughs> strategy from Big Jim. By the way, uh, you know, hit slide into our DMs if if you know if you're a government entity and you want Big Jim to do, run your negotiations. I mean, Terry Pagula could certainly you know yeah. t- take a, a lesson or two from Big Jim, yeah. even, or even, Pagula Enterprises, sure, right, right, right. right. or you're like if if you're Erie County, if you're Mark Poland Cars, and you're listening right now, and the Pagulas show up and they're like, we would like you to pay one hundred percent. You can counter offer with we'd like to pay zero percent, right? <laughs> right, yeah, sure. We would we'd like to pay nothing. Yeah, right. In fact, you know what? We'd like to pay a little bit more than nothing. We'd like to throw in this nineteen eighty nine Cutlass uh, <laughs> station wagon. Well, and, and here's the thing, and and again, I take you know, that deal. We're, we're we're going long on on the sports ball sure, here, friends. Sure. But here's the thing: a, a couple points for me here before we we move on. One, the Las Vegas thing when the Raiders moved to Las Vegas. That made sense because Las Vegas is a hub for gambling. It's a, a huge city in the United States. Like it's recognizable. So for decades, it was untouchable, but now it is. It's, well, it, yeah. And also Mark Davis wanted to move to Vegas. Right, right. That was a long time desire 
to move to Vegas. It was it, it made sense in many different ways. And, and Las Vegas also got a you know a hockey franchise. Like it, it opened up for sports. Austin, nobody's clamoring for Austin to have a professional sports franchise, right? Like Mark Davis did everything besides move to Vegas, and maybe he did move to Vegas before the team moved to to Vegas. Be, to show that like he wanted to be in Vegas, like he did everything he could. If the Pagulas lived in Austin all year round, as opposed to living in Florida and being like our daughter is a tennis player, uh, like if they lived in Austin and they were like, we love Austin, we would love everything that we love to be in Austin. They try to be a little more credible, right? Uh, instead, they're like, we love Buffalo, one Buffalo, uh, we're, we're a big Buffalo backer. By the way, we'll take the only thing that matters. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and again, like, and if you're the people in Austin, if you hear this, what do you, this is met with a giant shrug because they have UT yeah. and they already are like a developed, you know, a tech hub city. And it's just like, Oh, okay. That's cool. Like big cities have sports franchises. Like they have professional sports franchises, but I don't think that Austin would feel any more validated as a city by having the Buffalo bills. Whereas the Buffalo, you know, we're the city of Buffalo. We feel very validated by the bills having them as a professional sports franchise, but fuck you to the owner of this team who's going to use that as a cudgel to move it to some city where the fuck you know who cares like it's it's yeah where they don't give a shit they don't give a shit and and the other thing that i want to add because again you know we're the politics podcast but it's just it's an incredible just an incredible contrast that we see the election the the primary election at least of of India Walden running as a democratic socialist in the city of Buffalo addressing largely the problems of you know inequality and housing and how a lot of people who live in the city can't fucking afford to live in the city and here comes Terry Pagula is like okay please back up the Briggs truck you know yeah. give me all the fucking money for my little football stadium mm-hmm. like come on man Come on. It's unbelievable. I'm not a football fan. No. A lot of people are around here. There are 15,000 people, people to watch practice this week. A, a lot of people are football fans. A lot of people I know that I care about yeah. have that disease. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not a football fan. So, like, Bill's move. The main thing that changes for me is when I'm looking at online dating profiles, they're like, I, I don't see as many people say, like, I'm a Bills fan. Yeah, not not as many Zubas around. Right, there's there's fewer Bills fans as, like, dating profile right. determinators. Well, and, you know, it's funny that they're threatening to move to Austin because, as we've seen in the past, you know, 10, 15 years, cities that are not considered, like, big cities necessarily can develop identities independent of having the markers mm-hmm. that we usually ascribe to them. Like um, sports franchises, for instance, like yes, Austin has UT, but that large part, they're just like a big college town right? or, or Portland, Oregon. Like, like Portland was my, my next spot, right? right. Like, Portland, it like has developed uh, this, this identity as like the center of counterculture America and mm-hmm. leftist ideas without having anything larger than, what, the Portland Pirates or whatever they're... No, they got a basketball team. Trailblazers. 
I don't count the NBA. Oh, you don't count the NBA? Okay. Yeah, I mean, the Trailblazers, I mean, look, as soon as Bill Walton left, <laughs> they don't count as far okay. as I'm concerned. I mean, they're, they're a sports franchise, but I guess what I'm saying is, like, you don't necessarily need to have a sports franchise to be on the map. Even A better Portland might actually be Portland, Maine. Oh, yes. Which has grown, in you know, just by word of mouth. People mm-hmm. saying, hey, Portland, Maine, cool place to go, cool place to see. Yeah. So all this is to say, all right, you know, big cities do have sports franchises because that's what big cities do. That's where money concentrates. But I don't think it's necessarily vital for a city to have that to be on the map. And in fact, it may be in some ways it probably detracts if you're a city like Buffalo, <laughs> to be honest with you. If you you do have one, because it might it might soak up a lot of resources that you could put towards other things. Yeah, I I, I think that's probably true. Like you know, uh, like to have something in particular as like a football franchise for Buffalo, being the most expensive, most valuable sports franchise in the United States, it's pr- it's probably a detriment to a small city like Buffalo. As terrible as the Sabers are. Having a hockey franchise is probably a net benefit in some regards because, like, hockey teams, the NHL teams, NBA teams to a large extent tend to run at a deficit. So they are more vanity projects by wealthy people. If they're in your city, it's a vanity project that attracts some sort of notoriety to your city without actually costing your city very much money and maybe being some sort of net benefit football teams and baseball teams to a certain extent are probably on the opposite side where they're probably costing more than they actually bring in that said if you're the toronto blue jays and you're listening please bring us football or baseball every year yeah please bring the baseball back bring bring the baseball back we don't bring, bring it back we we don't we, we don't want Yankees or Red Sox games like please bring the Astros or Mariners or whatever terrible team you're playing against. I got to I got to shout out the homie uh, at Hucklebuckets here who <laughs> described of today's events. Oh. Uh, nothing left to be said about these people. Wilson was a villain, but at least he had some mid twentieth century noblesse oblige rattling around in his vindictive little skull. The Pagulas are just sentient target furniture that owns death trap factories in Bangladesh. Bland and boring. Wow. <laughs> the, right. home, the homie Hucklebuckets. Yes. Mm-hmm. Bring in that hot fire because, and it, it just doesn't, whatever. Fuck. I don't want it. We're going to talk about these people a yeah. lot. So let's just keep it moving. Yeah, guys, let's all right. Keep it moving. Um, Indy Walton. Eh, all, right. all right. Still, still campaign. Still going on. Yeah. She's still running for mayor. Went on a little field trip. She went on a little field trip. So last week, listener, you might have gotten the impression that we were a, a bit concerned or we were down on, on her campaign. Still concerned. No, you got to be concerned. You got to be concerned. We want we want it to happen so bad. Right. You know, we're invested. We're just like you. All right. We're sitting here. We're, 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 we're hoping for the best, but expecting the worst. You know, it, it, it still seems un- improbable that it all happened in the first place. But now we're at the point where... Uh, Byron Brown, again, flexing his muscle, but, but India Walton kind of flexing her muscle, Jim. Yeah. Uh, in a, in a small way, um, flexing the, her newfound national, if not international notoriety. So 
for the listeners who might not be in the know, um, India Walton made a trip to Cleveland, Ohio for a rally for Nina Turner, who's running for uh, a hotly contested congressional seat, by the way, which a lot of people view as a sort of bellwether for the future of the Democratic Party. Uh, Nina Turner was Bernie Sanders, I believe, chair correct of his campaign. Um, so a lot of this view, this is the ongoing proxy war in the Democratic Party between Bernie Sanders and, and the Democratic establishment. You know, the race is very tight. Nina Turner is is polling well, but again, the Democratic establishment is throwing all their, their weight behind it. But what matters for all this for you is that India Walton had a VIP section at the um, the Turner campaign rally. Is that right, Jim? That's my understanding, yes. Yeah. So she actually went and, and was in a position to, hey, go out and support Nina Turner, who's another uh, official or another person who has similar views to what India Walton has, but also to have serious discussions with Nina Turner and Bernie Sanders and AOC. Okay. Okay? So, look. Did she come to Buffalo to party? Look, man, well, I don't. She might. You know, we, I don't know what's going to happen in the next couple months. Do have a hunch? If they got a free week and they should come on the podcast. Well, I, Bernie Sanders is always welcome on this podcast. Uh, I think I've made that clear to everybody involved here. But seriously, like it, they are, they are, they are ramping up the the forces. They're they're doubling down on the strategy. You know, the they're doubling down on the strategy of we have made connections at the national level with progressive politicians, and we are going to cash in on that. Like we we have we have built those connections. India Walton is a national figure, and we are going to bring that to bear in this race in Buffalo. Figure, oh, God. <laughs> God, you know what's funny is I pride myself on never pronouncing stuff weird, and now it's this one word figure, figure. No, no, it's it's f i g g e r. Yeah. No. Uh, I mean, it's it's a big race because, like, you have AOC, Bernie, Cory Bush, Ilhan Omar, all one side, we need a Turner, and then you have, like, James Clyburn on the other side. And it's a safe Democratic district. Chantel Brown, I believe, is the person, the name of the, of the woman running against Nina Turner. It is unusual for the progressive part of the party to being, like, James, Brown, or James Clyburn is a monster. But in this particular race, they're like, we're not saying you should not listen to James Clyburn. We're just saying you should not listen to him right now. Yeah. And again, you know, we're not the Ohio Cleveland uh, podcast. We we are the primarily Buffalo based one. But if you want to uh, support us and you're from Cleveland, uh, you can always follow our links to find our Patreon. Yes, and we get and, and I tell you what, you pay us enough, and we'll get we'll get mad or we'll be happy about the guardians, right? We, we whatever we you will, pay us enough, and we will us, we, 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 we will have feelings opinion. about it. Or if you're Great Lakes Brewery and you want to invite us down to be on site, I'll go down. Right, yeah, Great Lakes, please have us down. Sure, uh, we'll we'll gladly have some of your Lake Erie perch. But yeah, <laughs> the Lake Erie perch. <laughs> yeah, no, it's again. We'll we'll see how that battle for the soul of the Democratic Party, as it were, shakes out in uh, in Ohio. The most important thing here is that Indy Walton has you know put herself on the map for the progressive movement in America, and 
she has made those connections. And again, like we might be at a at a lull in the campaign. And, and right now, honestly, you know, we, we talked last week about we're concerned and that Byron Brown is resurging. But credit to India Walt. Let's give her the benefit of the doubt. She won that primary by being extremely smart and extremely motivated and putting in the hard work. So benefit of the doubt that she knows what she's doing here and that she's setting up for what could be a huge push right before the the November general. Yeah, I mean, I was critical of the campaign with some of their decisions. I'm not critical of her going and spending a day in Cleveland with Nina Turner because, like, at the bare minimum, she gets Nina Turner's campaign staff to turn out in October for her election. And that's at the bare minimum. She gets some reciprocated love. At best, she gets some love from Bernie, AOC, Cory Bush, Jumani Williams, right? Like she gets she gets some love from some of the heavier hitters who show up either themselves or they send staff, they send stand-ins to get her vote out for her. Okay, I heard that like her campaign might be taking a day or two off to relax after the primary. And I thought to myself, you don't have time to take time off right now. You want to take time off? It comes in December. Right now, you're in the middle of a, of a campaign war. But this wasn't a day off. This was a conscientious effort to gain favor with the people who will help turn things your way later in the year. This this was a bet that what we spend on this day and what we could have done in Buffalo on this day will be returned tenfold by the favor we gain. And I think that that's probably a smart bet. Well, and here's the thing too. Bernie Sanders is exceptionally popular in this area. Yes. Bernie Sanders in 2016, even though the Clinton campaign significantly out fundraised him was this close to actually like like it was it was what within one percent in 2016 very in erie close, county very close it was extremely close okay so we're already talking about a, a political movement of political figures that are pretty well liked here and and in 2020 bernie was the leading fundraising candidate in, in erie county by at that point by the time that the the new york primaries came around don't even want to begin to talk about that still haven't recovered but my my point is he he was a very weird time it was a very weird time bernie's beloved he came to buffalo a few years back i wasn't able to make it um when he came but there were fucking crowds like waiting for hours to go see bernie sanders Mm -hmm. he is beloved i i'm sure if you pull those same people aoc's beloved i'm sure you know a lot of those people if they know Corey bush um she's very well liked like these are these national figures would find a home in an audience here and to have a candidate like india walton align herself with that movement will be seen as very receptive and validating for her candidacy even more so than the validation of like the local the ECDC, who have pretty much backed off at well, this point. It's, it's not just like she's just not trying to align herself with these movements in order to get validation. She's being embraced by them to 
for better turn of phrase, validate her validation, right? I mean, she she's being embraced by the Nina Turners. She's being embraced by the AOCs then. She's being embraced by the Bernie Sanders. When you're embraced by one of them, you're embraced by all of them for the most part. Right. right. And so she's not just seeking to be aligned with them. Right. They sought her out. She's showing as a VIP for the Nina Turner, like that, that she was given that kind of select status that we are 100% in tune with. Yes. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. We got some other stuff here, guys, local political stuff. You got to explain to me, give me, give me the fucking reader's digest version of this Chuck Swanick thing. Somebody. Ryan, go ahead. Me, I, I, I don't know. He got defrauded. I read the article. I don't know anything. Go ahead. You, you oh, read the article. You, don't, don't you, go ahead. Me, I don't know. Uh, do it now. Go ahead, you old so and so. Do you want me to? Yeah. Why come you? On, you want me to read the article? Yeah, read. The sure, article. read it. Read okay. the it's, most it's, interesting. It, it's, it. It, it's about Mayor's former right hand man Steve Casey basically setting up Chuck Swanick to fail. Now Chuck Swanick, if you don't remember, was around forever. And wore a lot of sweaters, wore a lot of sweaters, was super conservative. Didn't he try to run against Grisanti for the gay marriage thing? Well, that's where he gets defrauded. Ah, Uh, so Chuck Swanick was a Democrat for a long time, a conservative Democrat, switched to being Republican so that the Republicans could maintain control of the Erie County legislature under Joel Giambra. So that he could remain chairman of the county legislature because he had been chair for a long time under the Democrats until the Republicans took over. And then he eventually lost his county ledge seat to, if I remember correctly, uh, a funny little fellow named Kevin Hardwick. Oh. Or he may have given it up so he could run. No, he didn't give it up. No, he, he lost to Hardwick. And then he decided to run as like a conservative Republican against Grisanti. And people thought like, oh, he'll split the vote. Right. But the vote he split was no one because nobody cared. And no one voted for Chuck Swanick. But it turns out the whole thing was a fraud perpetrated by Steve Casey, former right-hand man of the mayor of buffalo current mayor of buffalo there's only one mayor of buffalo and his name is byron brown steve casey i i didn't read the article so i don't know how he defrauded chuck swanick but he defrauded chuck swanick took him for uh took him for a ride right yeah as as far as i know what he did is he uh he was like i've got a bunch of sweaters from bonton (laughs) for you is, is Bonton still in business? Tried, it, no, well, they, they is, closed a couple of years ago. It is as far as Chuck Swanick knows. Oh, man. Tried to sell him uh, insurance extended warranty on his car. <laughs> it, extended warranty on his uh, sweater vest from Bonton. I don't want to talk too much, uh, too long about this topic. I do. I, I would like to talk well, about me, Chuck Swanick being too give me stupid. A, give me a minute oh, well, to the, find the article. Th- this is a, this is a, a thing that you like. I, I, I bring it up merely because I, I, it's important to know that a lot of these political figures, listener, have no fucking idea what they're doing half well, the time. But what's important about this particular thing is that, like, is that Steve Casey, who still is considered an important person in the current mayor's world in his administration sphere, sphere of influence it has been indicted on defrauding a former county legislator so yes, casey like, was a, a pigeon guy right was the, uh, steve casey was a, a mayor brian brown guy yeah, yeah he was yeah. he was a was he chief of staff at one point uh yeah deputy mayor deputy mayor right 
Okay. Uh, so as if you need, as if you didn't need another reason not to like Byron Brown, that his administration was full of crooks who are, I mean, defrauding. Well, I'm reading this paragraph here, a, form, a Buffalo News article. Former deputy mayor and longtime Brown strategist Casey has always dwelled in political shadows while working closely with controversial figures such as former um, Erie County Democratic Chairman Steve Pigeon, who has logged his own share of courtroom appearances. Yada yada yada. So it goes on. The government charged that Casey's firm provided consulting services to Swanick, including arranging for campaign mailings to be printed by an unnamed company. According to prosecutors, LSA defrauded the candidate by having print, uh, a printing company believed to marketing technologies believed to be, I think that was a you know grammar mistake there, right. marketing technologies of Western New York and flight invoices for campaign mailers. Okay, that's how. So, uh, so he overcharged Swanick, which... I mean, listen, if there's anybody who has probably made an extra bu- a bunch of extra money off of overcharging people, by the way, this is a satire. Big dog. R R R R R R R R R Satire parody. <laughs> Non-actionable. <laughs> Joke. Yeah. Oh, whatever. Again, the seedy underworld of, of campaigns sometimes shows its ugly head. But this is all to say that, yes, one, a close Byron Brown ally defrauded the shit out of, again, fucking Chuck Swan. Local yokel Chuck Swan. Local yokel, yes. A, a highly appropriate. <laughs> and, and two, it's to say that there are plenty of local yokels like Chuck Swanick who are involved in politics. That's That's the funniest part to me about, you know, how a lot of people prescribe, like, the machinations of political figures and they're like, Oh, this shadowy underworld of politics and whatever. And it's like, well, kind of, but also it's filled with fucking morons. Who right. Can, I mean, Chuck Swanick, who don't ba- know the price of a mailer. Chuck Swanick basically looks like Bobby Knight, except he's not strong enough to throw a chair at a kid. Jeez. <laughs> oh, well, moving, moving on to, uh, moving on to local yokels, Jim. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what did, uh, what did fucking, what's his nuts do? Stefan. Oh, we got Stefan. We got Steve, some more Stefan. Steve. <sighs> Stefan. Stefan. Hmm. <laughs> All right, snap out of it. Oh, sorry. So, Stefan this week. What did he do? He fired some guy or he did something? So, so, um, it's very snake heavy episode. Mark yeah. Bowling Cars, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, everyone loves a heavy snake. Yes, <laughs> everyone loves a heavy snake. <laughs> Mark Polencar's mandated that masks need to be worn in county facilities. Didn't he? Uh, one of one of Stefan's employees uh, didn't was, was was reprimanded for what, this, what? So, and he's going to sue the county. Now. Right, right. Yeah. So evidently. Yeah. Well, he's going to sue the county hardcore. Sure. Sure. He's going to sue them. Uh, yeah. Anime style. Uh, no. Okay. Uh, uh, so so this so this employee was not wearing a mask. Yeah. County personnel contacted Mahailu about it and said, got to wear a mask. We're not going to do anything. Talk to your employee. And Mahailu said, oh, okay, I'll talk to them. And apparently said, it's your choice. Oh, okay. Which, uh, according to county law, it's not your choice. Yeah. So. Bad advice. This employee listened to their boss. Sure. Which got them in trouble with the official handbook, which was. Got to wear a mask. Uh-huh. Now, I will say, as somebody who has worked for the county in labor relations, generally it goes this way when you're talking about employee discipline. Oral warning, written warning, suspension, termination. They suspended the employee for the a week. You could probably skip oral warning for something as important as this. 
but they probably should have given them a written warning. Written warning, so they skipped a step. So it seems like they skipped a step. Okay. I'm not going to say they did it because Mahalu's an asshole. I mean, because if that was the case, they, they'd be hitting all of his employees for all minor infractions yeah, yeah, yeah. all the time. Uh, and there's a lot of infractions in the employee handbook. So, like, they could definitely be hitting them all the time for something minor. I do think that they probably jumped it from written warning to suspension, partly because of, like, the severity of what they're talking about, but also with literally without the backing of the union to do so. I'm not going to lie. I just went into, like, a fugue state for the past three minutes listening (laughs) to you talk about that. Not because of you, I'm, I just, probably, I'm probably going to cut it down to like a minute. I've just I just disassociate <laughs> when I like listen to a lot of this like yeah. Stefan related stuff these yeah. days. I just my brain goes somewhere else. Like it's like are Hol- you are you in the astral plane talking to floating heads? Uh, no, it's more like Homer Simpson where there's like a jug band uh. playing in his head. Yes, that's what goes on in my head when I think about Stefan uh, these I mean, days. So I- 2021. July. So, here's what I want to say about Stefan is that okay. like Stefan has no legal recourse to sue to say that the county executive can't discipline county employees. Right. He, he is totally without a paddle up what is, if not the shit's creek, a very, very shitty creek to be in. All right. Whatever. Our, our, our boy Randy can put the nail in his coffin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we, we, I, we, all, we all hope he put the final nail in his coffin. And that Stefan won't be like some sort of like screaming vampire underground. I'll be glad we don't have to talk about him anymore, unless he's on yeah. the Sinclair News broadcast on Channel. 20. Even then, I don't want to fucking talk yeah, about. He's him. over. He's he's canceled. Old news. Old news. I I, I yeah. am. I I cannot wait to never talk about Stefan again, unless it's like late at night when we're doing like uh, our, our black and white movie screening oh. <laughs> and, and we talk about like Stefan as like, re- remember, uh, re- remember this old haunted freak, you know, his worst crime is that he's boring now, right? He's yeah. not even cool. He's not yeah. even like, it never was cool, but he's not even like interesting. Yeah. He, he, he's just, he running, he's not, running the same song over and over funny. again. Right. It just, Fuck God! It's like a slog to talk about him. Uh, all right, let's keep it moving. Let's keep it moving. Buffalo News, the Buffalo News Guild, they had an agreement. That's all. In, Friday it was released that they came to an agreement. They we came to an agreement. It. It's a, I, I would say it was a three-year agreement. Three-year three year agreement. Right. So uh, to be uh, voted on, uh, just long yeah. enough so that we'll have a uh, newspaper strike before the next pre- presidential election. Yeah. Perfect. That's what I can't. I can't wait to not read the news before yeah. the pres- presidential election. Sounds great. Yeah. No. Look, there's a lot of good people that work for the news or have worked for the news, and they've they've been dealt a shitty hand by the Buffalo News and the organization. We like to shit on the Buffalo News a lot, but not the people who actually work there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know there's a lot of good people that do. It's just that their hands are are really tied. And here's hoping that. Whatever in, entails from this guild agreement, that it actually gives them a viable way of, of life and they're able to do their jobs and, and do it, you know, do it where they can do the kind of reporting that we haven't seen in a long time, the Buffalo News. But hopefully we can maybe get something, you know, the, it, the, the direction of newspapers in this country has just gone to shit. It's not just the Buffalo News. It's a lot of major newspapers throughout this country. Right, especially in the Washington Post. 
sure. I mean, the Washington Post. I know, like, the L.A. Times. Times uh, has been garbage lately. Like, a lot of these newspapers are really are just getting gobbled up by super rich fucking dickheads who right. are turning the papers into just fish wrapping because... Hey, look, who's going to challenge you if they don't know what you're doing? And you only know what's going on in the world by reading the news. But now we we just, the news is a commodity that, again, we, we make jokes about getting mad at the news because it's all you can do. You can just get mad at the news, but you it's really hard nowadays to actually be, we're, we live in a, a time, not to like take this too broad, but we live in a time where like we're informed all the time and yet I feel like we know nothing. So guys like us, we're just here talking about it because it's something to do and it's on our mind. And yet at the same time, I feel woefully underinformed in many ways. And in large part, it's because we don't have like a, a combative and aggressive news organization that really tells us what's going on in our community. Right. So, that's, I, that's, that's why I give all my money to the Courier Express. Yes. <laughs> yes. So bring it back. Or the Investigative Post. Give money to them. They're worth it. Uh, I, I give it to them, but I, I, I title it Courier Express. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Um, the last thing we have on the list here is uh, looks like the city of Tonawanda is trying to get rid of panhandlers. and Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. They're, they're trying to get rid of the uh, Florida panhandle. Is that right? Wow, yeah. no kidding. Yeah, that's uh, two Floridas. Yeah. Wow. Two Floridas, one cup. No kidding. We could go on a big, long thing here about like the homelessness in America, you know, I, I bet I, you won't, I won't, I won't. I don't have the energy in me right now, to be honest with you, because what the fuck? Like it is, it's the, the panhandling is one of those things where you see it and it's just like, fuck man, it's getting worse every day and people's lives and livelihoods are getting worse, not just in Western New York, but like throughout the country in the world. And what the fuck do you do? Like, what do you say? Also, it, they're also trying to curb public drunkenness, too, as a public health issue. Sure. Yeah. I mean. Whatever. Not to say whatever but, to these people and their yeah. livelihoods, but it's just like. No, I, I'm not saying. I don't want to say whatever to, like, to the panhandler, to the public drunk. Like, I mean, they're an important part of American history. Mm -hmm. That's true. And I'm not even being facetious there. I'm, 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 oh, Johnny anyways. Appleseed, right? Famous right. public drunk. And, right. Uh, and, and I guess hobo, you can say. Right. right. Or um, uh, Harry Carey, famous public drunk. That's right. Uh, <laughs> uh, and and probably panhandler. Yeah, right. right. I mean, he had to get back from Wrigley Field somehow. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> we look down on these people who do these things, who, who panhandle, who are drunk in public. We we treat them with disdain for the most part. I don't. Nope. I don't think that you guys do. But what ends up happening is that eventually they start being viewed as less than human. So when they have an issue, when when they need help, they're not given the help they need. A lot of people view them as a problem to be solved. They want it swept away. And 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 they don't want it. They want it to disappear. They they don't. Yeah, they want to disappear, and they don't. And they don't follow the logical conclusion to that. They they want like they, the Simpsons thing, where like they turn the homeless man turns into a mailbox. Right. Well, that or just like push him into a meat grinder. That's the logical conclusion of, of where they're going with that. Right. 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 So like, having compassion for these people and and actually solving the problem. You know what what caused this in the first place? And right. How can we fix it? Right. Or or like like probably like eighty percent of the people who are, are who see a panhandler or a homeless person start videotaping them, hoping that they'll be on our public freakout. Mm -hmm. 
we all know that it would cost less to, to, to house the homeless, to yes. help them, than to clean up after them, have them on the street, and deal with their mental health and health issues, right? Right. And we don't because because there's this weird moralization, like, oh, or this weird, uh, oh, I, I worked hard, and, I, and they should too. Yeah, I didn't work hard, and I have a house of living. Yeah. Right. Uh, that's how come we don't have that moralization? No, I don't. Mm-hmm. Good question. Where it would, oh, I, I, I didn't do shit and I live someplace. Like, we should have that moralization as well. It happens a lot. It, it happens more often than we like to give it credit for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I pulled up, I pulled myself up from my bootstraps with this $100,000 grant from my parents. Right. Or this, yeah. this million dollar trust fund. Yeah, right. By the way, the people who, didn't have to struggle for to find some place to live. Didn't have to pull themselves up by the proverbial goddamn bootstraps. Mm-hmm. Are the people who are more than likely against the the person who in the city of Tonawanda is panhandling mm-hmm. and is struggling to put together if if fifteen dollars for the week. If Hunter Biden were not a Biden, he might be on the street like this. He probably would be. Mm-hmm. If I weren't a Tamil, I'd probably be on the street like that. I, I've had my issue, as I've talked about on this podcast, I've had my issue with mental health concerns. Right. And the only reason why I haven't ended up on the street is because I've had the family that I have to support me and to bring me in and to take care of me. Without them, I, I wouldn't be on this podcast. What I'd be is I'd be in the parking lot of Aldi's in North Tonawanda begging for cash yeah i mean maybe not north tonawanda because like that's a long walk and i'm pretty lazy you know my in my family you know we there have been brushes with homelessness we've pulled together and prevented that and uh i don't think people realize just how close how close that is it's it's very in line it's very close it can happen with a snap of the finger you could be out on your luck on your ass have some respect for people right i mean so my view, my response to the city of Tonawanda and their issue with panhandling is support UBI. That's one way. Support greater social services. And don't be a NIMBY. Don't be a NIMBY. Don't be re. <laughs> Not in my backyard. <laughs> you say, guys, how about, we, how about we have a little talk with Randy Hoke? Let's, Let's have a talk it. with Randy Hoke. Uh, we, got, we, we got any hoaxers out there? Ho. You, are, do we have any real Americans? <laughs> when it comes crashing down in it. How can you not get hype listening to that song, by the way? You Hulk, can't. Hulk, Hulk Hogan, you know. One of the greatest songs ever written. He's, yeah. had, he's had his ups and downs, shall we say, over the years. <laughs> right, but, right, right. I mean, Peter Thiel knows about them. <laughs> right, right. But, like, dude, Hulk Hogan, man, like you hear you hear that theme song and you're just like, you want to just run through a brick wall. Dude. Right, yeah. like, he's, yeah. in his, he's in his wrestling get up pretending to play an electric guitar. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. Which, Flying which through is, the air. Which is why I'm so happy that when Randy Hoke showed up, he tore through his shirt. He came in. He can't. Yeah. He, he kicked down the door. He started yeah. pointing at at your cats. <laughs> yeah. You had to have been there. Like, listen, brother. Uh, that was the Randy Hoke experience. It was so cool. He gave he gave Jim the big boot and the leg drop. That's right, right, yeah. I yeah. can't wait till he does it to Stefan on election night. <laughs> I can't wait till he does it to Stefan any day. Yeah, yeah. Election night or whatever. Fight for what's right. Fight for you.
You little hokamaniacs. You've been sitting around, you've been you've been saying your prayers, you've been taking your vitamins, and you've been saying, We want Randy. We want Randy. Well, you're getting Randy. We have in the snake pit with us Hamburg Town Supervisor, Democratic nominee, Randy Hoke. Randy, welcome to the square. Hey guys, thanks. Great to be here. This is like being in the presence of like a rock star, you know? Randy, before we get started with this interview. Is it true or not true? You heard us on the podcast say there needs to be a hoke that runs in Hamburg, and then you decided to run. That did happen. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Hell yeah, dude. Well, Hamburg, you're welcome if and hopefully when Randy wins. But I, I'm so excited to have you here, Randy. Um, you know, we, we get so much of the other side of this race, right? We get old news. Get out of here. What's what's his name? Steve. Steve yeah. <laughs> Steve Michaelik. Steve, Steve Michaelik. Whatever the hell that guy's <laughs> name. That friggin' goofball. But we got sharp cut Randy Hoke in the house. So, Randy, let's start us off here. Okay. So aside from the Square Podcast telling you, you should run for <laughs> Hamburg Town Supervisor, tell the listeners what the hell a town supervisor does. Cause I feel like you know what a mayor does, maybe. And you hear a supervisor, you think like... You don't know what county controller does. You definitely don't know what county controller does. It's something to do with money. Right. It, he doesn't know what he does, so it doesn't matter. Supervisor, it sounds like you're the town unit manager. So <laughs> enlighten the listeners about the town supervisor job. Simply put, I believe supervisor is a town manager with a vote on the town board. It's as simple as that. It doesn't come with the powers and responsibilities of, of a mayor. I'm not signing legislation by myself. I'm going to have to do it with the work of the entire town board. And it's it's somebody that works closely with, with department heads. Cool. Yeah, that's that's a pretty succinct ex explanation here. Now, you, you come from a political lineage, Randy. Um, your dad, Pat Hoke, was previously Hamburg Town Supervisor circa, what, the 1990s and early 2000s? Yeah, 19... Uh, actually... He ran for, first he ran for county legislature in 85, and he lost by 79 votes. He ran for town board in 1987. He served a couple terms and then ran for town supervisor in 93 after Jack Quinn went to Congress. And uh, he served till 2005. But we can take it back even further. We could go back to 1963 when my grandfather, Bert Hoke, was a maverick Democrat who ran for state senate. He wasn't supposed to win. He did. He served three years because of redistricting and then lost a Democratic primary to Jimmy Griffin. The people of Hamburg love the hoax. And uh, yeah, we've got another one lined up here. It's got, you know, I, I think about that sometimes that it's weird for legacy political candidates. Like we watched, what was it last year? Joe Kennedy, the third, just get completely wiped out in Massachusetts. That it's got to be kind of weird on the one hand that that helps that you're part of a political lineage and obviously you know the scrutiny isn't on the hamburg town supervisor race quite like a congressional race in massachusetts but at the same time have you read the hamburg sun i'll tell you right now those sons of bitches <laughs> they they got some scrutiny absolutely i mean is it is it weird like because you're your own man you know you're like you're randy hoke but 
you're Randy. You're not. You're not Bert. You're not uh, Pat. Like you're Randy Hoke. So is it uh, is it a little weird, or is it like, hey, this is pretty cool that you know my family's been doing this for a long time, and it can be weird. Um, it was certainly weird for my wife when our third date was to a political function. So <laughs> she knew she knew what she was getting into. Um, I think that uh, I've been going to doors, you know, since since people started going to doors again about mid April. I threw the mask on and started knocking on doors, and what became clear is that uh, people knew me for who I was. They knew me for for my my career, my time at Erie County Senior Services, mm-hmm. my work with AARP. Um, I've been able to get my name out there quite a bit over the course of that career. So that became clear. And the other thing that uh, became clear to me is that, you know, my father's impact uh, in those 12 years that he served as supervisor was remembered and he was remembered for, for the good things. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, you know, again, like on the one hand, you're like, Hey, I have this political dynasty that I can sort of cash in on, but in other ways, you know, you're taking dates to political fundraisers and it's just a, it's just a weird life. Uh, I'm sure you, you occupy, but what I guess like in the, in the landscape of this Hamburg town supervisors race, there are obviously, you know, many different political races going on in Western New York. I view your, I view yours is unique in a way because it reminds me, it, it sort of has echoes to me of the Biden Trump race, you know, like a, a lot of the, the, conflicts that we're seeing in the different political races are very, I don't know, like in the city, we have uh, what was a extremely divisive primary, and then it's going to ratchet up into the general. Whereas your race, it feels like, hey, we've got this clown on the other end of uh, <laughs> on the other end of the ballot. And here is like somebody who's competent and, you know, brings a lot of the good feelings of a time that you might remember previously. Uh, no commentary on the current administration or whatever. I'm just saying like, that's this is where we are in in your race. So it, it feels very much like an echo of the 2020 election. Like, what, what do you think about, I guess, your opponent or how that's sort of shaped up, how your race is, is looking so far? Yeah, I put a lot of thought before I announced this campaign. And one of the questions that I had for, for myself was, where is this support going to come from? I live in Hamburg, and we have a lot of different philosophies out there. And I know a lot of folks in Hamburg that are a lot more conservative than I am. And once I announced, I started to hear from those folks. And it was in a very positive way. And I think the difference is that they value somebody from Hamburg. Now, my platform, my approach to government is very inclusive. But I'm going to take those votes from Mm -hmm. the people who would rather have the Hamburg guy than the guy who moved to our community four years ago has announced his intention to run for three different offices in those four years. uh, Because Hamburg is, it's a big town, geographically and population-wise. As far as, like, towns in Erie County go, Hamburg's one of the biggest population-wise. And just in terms of area, it's big. So it's very diverse. Uh, you know, I know from you know my friends that and my acquaintances I've had that it, it it can be a very diverse town. Now, you know, we were talking a little bit off show before this, but like, how do you build a coalition? How do you build a team out of a diverse town like Hamburg is? That's a great question, and it doesn't it doesn't happen overnight, and it takes great intention to do it. We've been working hard in Hamburg. I've been part of the the Democratic committee. Uh, since I since before I was eighteen, actually, 
but I've been involved in political campaigns since 2007, and I've been involved in building this committee since 2007. And I think we can learn a lot from the results of the primary that we just had. Uh, we had, in addition to my race, so it was interesting. I announced, um, I was the only one that announced. Nobody mm-hmm. else was interested. That was a big part of the reason why I decided to run, is nobody else was stepping up. And then a little while after I announced and was endorsed, there was somebody else that announced after, after I did. But there was also three candidates for town council. We had uh, uh, Meg Comerford, who was a special ed teacher in the Frontier School District for 20 years, Carly Whalen Story, who's a, a social worker, and um, they presented a pretty good case to our committee. And I would say that our committee is extremely representative of the Democrats in Hamburg. When the committee voted to endorse for those council seats, Meg Comerford got 42, 44% of the vote. Carly Story got 35% of the vote, and Bob Mahoney got 21% of the vote. On election night, Meg Comerford got 42% of the vote. Carly Story got 37% of the vote, and Bob Mahoney got 21% of the vote. We are representing the constituency that votes in Democratic primaries. And that comes from being inclusive. When I started with the Democratic Community Committee, it was a patronage club. Mm-hmm. That's where people went to get jobs. Now we have activists. We have people that you know woke up after the, the 2016 election and got involved with the Nate McMurray race. And then got involved in a couple of the races. And when I announced, they said, yeah, that's the team that I want to be on. And when they came to my campaign, we gave them things to do. We started groups of people writing postcards. We make a volunteer job out of anything that we can because we recognize that the more people you have doing this, the more effective your campaign is going to be. Yeah, that's amazing because like at, at many moons ago, a different lifetime ago, I was involved in, in local politics around here. Now I'm just some guy with a podcast, but but I used to do stuff. And it was amazing how much of that energy could be squandered, like that that the, the will was there and nobody could find a way to capitalize on, on that spirit of, you know, hey, I want to volunteer, I want to help out. And you're right, I, I, I'm not as familiar with Hamburg, but I just know in Western New York in general, a lot of it is a patronage or, or had been previously a patronage organization where it's just like, all right, you assholes are going to show up and volunteer anyway, you know, wh- whatever. It's it just kind of discounted. So it's interesting to hear um, that you're capitalizing on that, that it's really like being used because it's, it's very effective, right? Like we were talking before the show, exactly what you mentioned that a lot of people woke up in 2016 into a world where Donald Trump was president and how do you deal with that? Like, do I have any agency? Do I have anything that I can do to make a world where that, that's not the case or we don't have that in the future? Well, so one of the things I want to say, because I've been following your Facebook and Instagram and, and Twitter because I'm a sociopath and I follow like <laughs> every person who's running for office or has elected office in the area. Um, but one of the things that's interesting that you do, um, and I want to ask you if, if – I'll get to the question, I guess. Um, but is that you do a lot of the stuff that you ask your volunteers to do. If it's writing postcards or if it's going to the door or if it's like putting labels on envelopes, I've seen pictures of you doing it. Maybe it's just for the picture. Maybe you're just a really good photo guy. You're like Chuck Swanick and you're great at photos. But it seems like you're actually doing the stuff that you're supposed to do. Do you think that's because 
of your background of working on campaigns for family members and for friends growing up? Or is it a conscious thing you do, like you learned when you were at social services or at the ARP of don't ask anybody to do the lowest task that you wouldn't do yourself? It's, it's certainly a combination. And, and I believe that when it comes to, I've had a lot of uh, responsibilities in my professional career uh, around volunteers and volunteer management. And, you know, you have to start small in that ask. You have to get people doing some of the easier things and then uh, raise them up this ladder of engagement in, in volunteer activity. And, uh, and, and yeah, and I've worked on campaigns where the candidate isn't around. So I've seen, I've seen the, the opposite, and I've seen the damage that that can have on people who are really looking to make a difference, and then they have a candidate that, that they're working for and isn't putting forth that effort. Yeah, I, I've seen, I, I have worked around or for the flyby candidates, right? The, mm-hmm. the ones, the, the top gun flybys. Can we do a yeah. fly by the tower? Yeah. Um, and then I've worked with the candidates who, you know, who sat next to you stuffing envelopes. As somebody who who's worked on those campaigns, usually in voter management or volunteer management, boy, you get a lot better volunteer retention if you stuff a couple envelopes than if you just yeah. fly by. Yeah, absolutely. And the other piece of it is this is the first virtual campaign that I've been involved in. And people really, the audience, the social media audience, I think they really appreciate this participatory aspect of of my social media campaign especially the folks that you know at times during the campaign weren't able or willing or comfortable getting out of the house to do the traditional work mm-hmm. um they feel like they're a part of the process you know and and i, I sort of alluded to this earlier but again like with your campaign and what what stefan mihailu is trying to do is turn this into like a partisan divide you know he wants to paint randy hoke radical socialist like he wants to throw all the scare tactics and quotes in the world to try to turn this into you know a divisive partisan effort where maybe it gets him on fox news and he could talk about the socialist takeover and yada yada yeah are you woke hoke or what woke hoke yeah <laughs> you got to give him credit that's pretty funny yep, absolutely it's pretty it's pretty good but my my impression of that race or your race i should say is like I don't know. I don't think the people at Hamburg, I, I think it, it, it feels very much like a, a cool down almost that we've experienced a lot of. And, and again, we're admittedly pretty left to the dial here. You know, we're big India Walton stands. We, we have things that we believe in and that, you know, ways that you could do it. But you also got to recognize the political reality of where you live and your district, yada, yada. Hamburg does not feel like the place where they're looking to have like the battleground. Like this doesn't feel like the, you know, uh, the, the the big fight it feels like just like almost like a cooling down effect so it's really interesting that stefan is trying to mount his you know his last charge as it were because i don't think he's honestly i don't think he's ever going to be a viable candidate for a political office should he lose this one um never say never i'd never say never but i just i, I think his political capital is nearly spent um but I mean, I guess what's your impression, Randy? You know, you're the guy running. Is is it you're the Hamburg resident? None of us. I mean, there's there's three of us here. None of us have lived in Hamburg. Right. I, I've been to Hamburg. I love your today. Fa- I love your fair. We have a great fair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I don't think that's going to fly in Hamburg. I don't think his message 
is going to resonate. I certainly haven't seen any evidence at the doors that I'm talking to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're, we're beyond the, the primary. We're talking to Republicans. We're talking to blanks. Hamburg has 11,000 blanks and unaffiliated voters. That's just as many as Republicans. We have 11,000 Republicans and 18,000 Democrats. So you look at those numbers and you'd be pretty optimistic. Uh, but we have a lot of votes. In Hamburg, uh, folks are going to vote for the, the, the person rather than the party. And Democrats and Republicans alike are, are often go off that line. That's, I think, a lot of the reason why I'm as optimistic. While folks may try to paint me as, as, as a socialist, I would say most people in Hamburg know me as, as a bartender, as the fish fry guy, as the little league coach, as the advocate for Social Security and Medicare, you know, the guy that's, you know, putting a bunch of people together to get on a bus and go to Albany. That's, that's who I am in Hamburg. And, uh, and I think that Stefan is trying to tell a story that's really at odds with the experience that the people of Hamburg have had with me. So I, I have a so I have a question. So you talk about like who you are to the people of Hamburg, right? And hopefully who you are is their supervisor, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But what are the things you're focusing on for the future of Hamburg? What are the challenges that Hamburg's facing? What are the opportunities that Hamburg's facing? You know, whether it's Social Security, whether it's Medicare, those are challenges and opportunities that are facing every town, every municipality, every city, every village in Erie County and New York State and across the country. What are some of the unique things that Hamburg's facing as, you know, our waterfront bastion here in Erie County? Hamburg is in a unique spot, and and we have a lot going for us. Um, But I've seen where things can go wrong, and, and I've seen why they've gone wrong. I used to work for the town, and when I did, I was I was a, I was a manager. I, I I worked under the direction of a department head, and I would often have to deal with human resources issues, disciplinary measures. And when I did, I was supported by the town board. I was given the expertise that I needed. We had an HR consultant that would sit down with us and make sure that we were doing things by the book. Um, that hasn't been happening for a while in Hamburg. We've had employees uh, fired for political reasons, and, and that's not my take. That is a New York State Supreme Court judge's explanation of what has happened in Hamburg. We need to stop that. We, we, we don't need to be in the paper for, for, for lawsuits, uh, for controversy, and for scandal. Hamburg's a great community, and uh, we need to build on our success, um, And then we need to look at other opportunities. And those other opportunities for me are connecting the many communities of Hamburg. So an investment in in parks and recreation beyond tot lots and swings and slides, but recreation opportunities for people of all ages, connecting the people in Blaisdell uh, to the people in Bethford to the people in the village of Hamburg. I'm a big bike guy. Um, That's a, a new hobby that I picked up during the pandemic. And I started a little bike club out in Hamburg, and, and we ride a couple times a week. And that has given me such an interesting perspective into, into our community. You, when you're on a bike, you see things that you don't otherwise see. And I've seen a lot of opportunities. I know that my kids are having a very similar experience as I did growing up in Hamburg, but in a lot of ways, it's different. When they are involved in, in sports leagues, they're playing with kids from all over town, just as the way things have consolidated in recreation. 
yet they can independently get to those houses to build those relationships, get out and get exercise, get off of the Xbox for a little bit. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of opportunity there. Um, and I think that we have a lot of opportunity in bringing the voice of people to town government. One of the best ways to do that, in my opinion, is bringing the voice of residents to the comprehensive plan. There's a process going on right now to for a new comprehensive plan. We don't have enough uh, citizen engagement in that effort. We need to be creative in how we reach those folks and bring their feedback to the process. Yeah, one and you you touched on the pandemic there. One of the things I think a lot of people, uh, at, at least I certainly did, realized about Western New York is like the wealth of public parks and public places that we have here. You couldn't do anything else, so you just went to like the parks. You know, I went to Letchworth a bunch. Went to me and my girlfriend went to parks all over, and it's just like man, like what an incredible asset we have here. But not Clarence because you're only have you have to be a town resident to go to their parks. Oh, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about <laughs> town resident stuff while I have Randy on the show here. Um, we'll, we'll get to that in just a second. But um, no, I, I think that's I think that's great. Like again, like we have such a like we have such a gift here, you know, and, and Hamburg also like, especially has like just a wealth of like beautiful spaces and, you know, encouraging that. I, I think that's something that a lot of local governments have taken for granted that those things need to be maintained, that mm -hmm. they need to be accessible and just to make those spaces open. Um, so that's really cool. Um, you know, we're talking to the guy running for Hamburg town supervisor. We are Skyway. Uh, you know, we've got a little picture on the wall here in the snake pit of the Skyway. It's controversial. I'm not I'm not going to grill you on it, but I, I would like to hear, you know, what your thoughts are. I, we know that we know the feelings of the folks in uh, Wales and in, 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 in Wales. We've we've heard what the people in, 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 in Alden. Oh, yeah. Think Amherst. Maybe. Uh, Amherst has right. given their opinion. Um Basically, the entire Sardinia. eastern suburbs yep. uh, uh, have really given their opinion. Um now, your opponent, he doesn't seem to be focusing too much on Lackawanna. For some reason, he didn't get an audience there. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but uh, so what do you think of the Skyway? I've been driving the Skyway since I was 16. I went to Canisius High School, and I would take that in and out. I, you know, For most of my career, I've driven the Skyway. Yeah, it makes it real easy and real quick to get from Hamburg to downtown, and there's great value in that. When you have a commute that adds an extra 15, 20 minutes a day, you start doing the math, that's a big chunk of your week. I get it, and I think the people of Hamburg and the surrounding communities have spoken. They want the Skyway, and as their supervisor, I'm going to support that decision 100%. I see the value in the Skyway. I do like the conversations about alternatives because that's the kind of work that I've done in the past five years. As a matter of fact, when they had that uh, competition, right, a couple of years ago, uh, AARP was one of the judges on that competition. And a lot of the uh, talking points that I've heard recently about the Skyway were brought to the attention of that competition when, when AARP was involved. There's other projects locally that really can make an impact uh, on local communities and, you know, address some previous injustices if we focus on those. The Skyway, I don't think, is one of them. Yeah, I, it, I, it's interesting with the Skyway. Like, I, I think that, like, I'm glad we're having these conversations about a variety of things, but including the Skyway. 
Um, I think we've probably come to the right solution on the Skyway, which is keep it. In order to bury the Skyway, you'd have to go so low because of the port of Buffalo and the shipping canals that it's, it's really not economically feasible. So keep it. Let's focus, like you said, on, on, on other areas where there's been some disproportionate financial impact. Yeah, and I do believe that we could, should, all those conversations about what would happen if the Skyway was gone should still happen. Like, we need to invest in South Park, where South Park goes from Lackawanna to Hamburg. Right. And, and from Lackawanna into the city of Buffalo. It would be great to have alternate routes because the Skyway does close down. We can build out those, those routes. Abbott Road into Hamburg is it's not the most pleasant it's, aesthetically. Don't ride a bike up Abbott Road or down Abbott Road into Hamburg. <laughs> Absolutely not. Get killed. <laughs> right. That's, I, Absolutely I, not. I made a joke about riding a bike on Union Road in West Seneca today. And, you know, I think I'd rather ride the bike on Union Road in West Seneca <laughs> than Abbott Road. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, it's, I mean, it's close, but I, neither one are, are really enticing. Yeah. And then you have Woodlawn. And, and Woodlawn, you know, I've been knocking on these doors. These are some solid houses with some solid bones and people who are very proud of their neighborhood. There's a lot of potential, especially as the housing market continues to put pressure on prospective home buyers. There's a great opportunity in Woodlawn. Can we clean things up? Absolutely. Can we engineer traffic in a different way to make things a little bit more smooth? Absolutely. But let's keep those conversations going. Yeah, it's funny you bring up Woodlawn because I'm a, I'm a big Woodlawn guy. I love I love the beaches in Hamburg, Randy. I I love them, but I, a lot of like what's um, I can't think of the other beach where you need a parking pass to get into. Damn it! I just want to enjoy your beaches. I I know I, I get it. You know, you, Hamburg residents, you want to keep it for them, but well, you pay your taxes, you get something. I know, but I want to come to the beach as a city resident. You don't pay any taxes. I. Uh. <laughs> I'll pay your Hamburg. Let me into your beach. So there's there's another level of complication with the Hamburg beach and, and the residency requirement. And that is around the ownership of the Hamburg beach because there's a, there's a 99-year covenant with the Loxley Park Taxpayers Association. They technically have owned the beach and Hamburg has, uh, has leasing rights of some kind to that property. But one of the stipulations on that is that it's only Hamburg residents. And that's something that the people of Loxley Park hold very dear. Understood. Understood. Well, I would be I would be remiss, Randy, if I didn't ask the potentially future Hamburg town supervisor the question that it's burning on all of our minds. When is that tower going to be painted like a hamburger? <laughs> When's it going to happen? Right. We've, been, we've been waiting for years. It's, you know... Do we have to do a GoFundMe? Like, what's the deal, like, to get that water tower... That might be helpful. And and I think that, I mean, this isn't the first time that we've, we've had this discussion in Hamburg. Uh, as a matter of fact, I believe the first time was in uh, 1998. There was a, a woman who led the Chamber of Commerce at the time. Her name was Bev Smalt. And, and she had this idea and, and really campaigned on the issue uh, in her run for a town supervisor at the time. And it wasn't successful. Well, My, I, I got to tell you. I don't mean to interrupt. I mean, I kind of do, I suppose, because <laughs> I just did. Uh, if you're running for supervisor, you need a better idea than just let's paint it like a hamburger. 
<laughs> well, Hamburg has some really good burger places now, so it would go along. They do. Right, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. and I, I've heard rumors of the second Mr. Sizzle's moving to Hamburg. Yeah, okay. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, yeah. No, Juicy Burger, great yeah. place in the village of Hamburg to, to grab a burger. Um, I think that uh, while Hamburg does have good burgers and good restaurants and great bars and wings and all that stuff, we have a lot going on in Hamburg that I think people's attention should be brought to before we try to bring their attention to our proclivity for, for hamburgers. Now, um, you know, we've, we've went, mentioned my, my, my father and um, during his tenure as, as town supervisor, he did receive an interesting offer from, from PETA around the name of our town. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. They offered him $15,000 worth of veggie burgers that would be delivered to the school districts of Hamburg if he changed the name of Hamburg to Veggieburg. Wow. <laughs> wow. Come on. Yeah. But Come you, on. you can use it as a negotiation tactic with the Impossible Burger people to yes. make it Impossible oh. Burger. Oh, <laughs> Oh, man. Well, we know we have your ear now, Randy. We're going to keep working on you. The, the hamburger tower. Maybe we can start a GoFundMe on Ma- behalf of this tower. Yeah. Yeah. We, we're, we're true believers in the yeah. cause. It's, if, if you win, and we're not holding you to this, but, I mean, fingers crossed. Uh, if we get a GoFundMe that pays for the paint, can we get a worker up there to paint it look like a burger? Yeah, we can get somebody up there. All right. All right, great. <laughs> we, can, we can figure something out. But right, yeah. but, all right, so you, you, you heard me, Sherman Williams. Like, we're looking for we're looking for a sponsor. <laughs> oh, well, I think we're, we're nearing the end of our time with Randy Hoke, Hamburg Town Supervisor, Democratic nominee. Um, thanks for joining us, man. This is really cool. And uh, loved having you on the show. Yeah, love to have you back. Uh, we'll, we'll mm-hmm. November third, we'll have you back. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> it sounds good. I'd love to come back be, before the general election. Yeah, give you an update. Absolutely, hell yeah, dude. That'd be great. We'd love to have you back. And for all the hokamaniacs listening out there, brother. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> what you gonna do, Stefan? What you gonna do when hokamania <laughs> runs wild over you? <laughs> yeah. Randy Hoke, where can we find you on the internet? So you can find me at randyhokeforsupervisor.com. Check me out on Facebook. I'll find the link. Yeah. yeah I'll yeah, post it find in the description. Link. And, yeah. you know, we, we, we have uh, ActBlue. We've had a great fundraising response. Uh, so check that out. I also just updated my platform on my, on my, on my website. So check that out and, and share those links, please. It's awesome, great. man. Great having you. And, uh, yeah, we'll have you back. I am a real Hamburgian. Fight uh, for the rights, rights of Hamburgians. <laughs> Paint the water tower like a burger. I am a real Hamburgian. Hamburgian.